Good morning, church. Man, so glad that you're here this morning as we come together to celebrate God and His risen Savior together as the family of God. Amen. We do serve a risen Savior. You know that. And He blesses us in so many different ways in our life. We are so overjoyed because of what He has done for us. We live that life of gratitude out for Him each and every day. We want to represent Him to all those around us and let them be a part of the hope that we experience as well. If you're glad to be here today, say, I'm glad. One, two, three. Yes, we are the family together. And we can overcome because we serve the ultimate overcomer. His Spirit lives within us, and because of that, we can overcome anything that this world, this life, Satan has to throw at us. We are a blessed people. We are going to be in Genesis chapter 40 this morning, and I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments. All of our texts, of course, will be on the screen uh, as we continue to walk through the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And we're reminded in his story how God is always with Joseph no matter what is going on in his life. And we've discovered along the way over the last few weeks how God has been in Joseph's life, but also how Joseph has been faithful to God no matter what's going on in his life. He's leaning into the story of God like God is leaning into him. And collectively, he is moving in the direction that God wants him to move despite what life is throwing his way. I don't know how many of you guys knew this weekend, uh, several of us guys went uh, over to the Hills Church in North Richland Hills to a men's conference. There were 1,700 men in one room praising God. It was an incredible event. Yes. We were all there together and we ate together and played together and uh, sang and praised God together and we're encouraged to be in leadership. That's what God's called us into, each and every one of us, to be leaders for Him in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces. Uh, if you didn't get to go this year, if you're a guy in this audience, you've got one year. Get your calendar out, put it on. You need to go with us. It's a lot of fun, but it's incredibly encouraging. Equally, in April, we're going to be doing the same thing right here in this room. Our own men's conference happens the first weekend of April, and I hope you'll put that in your calendar. Guys, if you are here today, bring two people with you. Uh, we do want those people to be alive. Bring those people with you, okay? They need to be, we need to double our size, and we'd like to fill this room up. It would be a great opportunity for you to share the message of Jesus Christ right here as we sing together, as we hang out together, as we fellowship and study God's Word, understanding what it better means to be a leader in God's kingdom. You've had an experience before. You've had a feeling before in life. There have been moments when you experienced a very specific feeling. And maybe you studied really hard for that test. Maybe you thought you'd ace the test. And then you get the test back and it's not only not 100, it's not even in the 90s. And you thought, man, I, I thought it did a little better than that. And there's a feeling that comes over you in that moment. There are moments when you work diligently at work. You bring work home with you. You work the weekends. You make the phone calls. You put the time in. And you think the boss is noticing all of this and then suddenly someone else gets the promotion. Someone else gets more money in their paycheck, not you. And you begin to wonder, what's going on in my life? You think maybe you're about to 
about to get a leg up financially when all of a sudden you go to the mailbox and there is an unexpected major bill that shows up. You thought you were about to get ahead. And in that moment, there's a feeling that comes over us. There are moments in our life when our adult children begin to make some different decisions than we would make in our life. And we mourn those decisions along the way and you get a certain feeling that comes over you. You're interacting with your spouse and you think things are going well and the reality is that the comment back is, no, things aren't as well as you thought. And you get a certain feeling. There are moments when you feel like you found the one, the one that you're going to spend your life with, the one you're in a relationship with, and when you reveal how you feel about them, they come back and say, I'm glad we're only friends. There's a certain feeling that happens in that moment. That feeling is called discouragement. And it's a feeling of losing hope. You think, man, there's no silver lining on the cloud. There, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I feel very alone and abandoned in this moment. Things seem really dark for me right now. And you've had those experiences before in your life. Just like Joseph is having in his life in our story. It's a feeling of lostness. A feeling of, I'm just about to lose grip on everything that means anything to me. I'm not sure the way to, to move through this, how to get out of this. As we unpack the story of Joseph, we'll begin to see over and over how he is overcoming what life is throwing his way. That's what this series is all about. How do we overcome what life throws our way? You see, Joseph had to overcome a lot in his own life. The very first week we took a look at a 17-year-old, a young man who was being talked to by God. He was dreaming these dreams, and he was very uh, open and, and, uh, and optimal. Everything looked good for him in his life. And then his younger brother comes along, Benjamin, and when he is born, Joseph is 10 years old, and his mother dies during childbirth. He loses his mother, when everything seemed to be going well, because he's dad's favorite. But because he's dad's favorite, the other ten brothers hate him. Hate him so much that they set up a moment in time where they're going to arrange to kill him. One of the brothers comes to the rescue and says, no, let's just sell him into slavery. And sure enough, a group of men come by who buy Joseph and take him all the way down to Egypt, where they sell him to a guy by the name of Potiphar, who works in the court of the king of Egypt. Joseph is away from his family. He's no longer in his homeland. He's a long ways from home. He's now a slave in Potiphar's house. When what should happen, Potiphar's wife takes an interest in him, a physical interest, and Joseph says, no, I can't do that. I can't go there. So he's falsely accused of rape, and so Potiphar throws him into the king's prison. He goes from one frying pan to the other. How does he overcome? Well, what's going on in his own life? See, Joseph easily could be discouraged. I know that we would be discouraged in his story as we read through that. But one thing remains constant in the story of Joseph where we left off in chapter 39, beginning in verse 20. 
where the writer says that Potiphar took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord is with Joseph and Joseph is with the Lord. You see, God can create success in the darkest of situations, even in your own life where you find your own experience right now. Maybe some of you in here are experiencing darkness right now in your life, but know this, that God can take you from that and move you into his story into a better location. That even in prison, the Lord causes Joseph to have success. Even in the darkest of moments, he has success. And so last week we left off with Joseph in prison. And that's where we'll pick up our story today. Chapter 40 and verse 1. Now Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. So he threw them in prison. And there they remained in prison for quite some time. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. And while they were in prison, Joseph's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Jesus saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you both look worried today, he asked them. Verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me, and the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. And I was holding the Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped by my, from my homeland and the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Well... When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. And in my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh. But the birds came and ate them from the basket of my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets represent also three days. And three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up And impale your body on a pole and then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Now I've got a thing. In this moment, the baker is like, okay, hang on. That's that's not the way it's supposed to turn out. You gave him a great story and now my story is not going to end too well. I don't like that interpretation. Give me something else. The baker and the cupbearer are restored, and their stories come true. One goes back into service for the king of Egypt. The other is executed. True, just like God revealed to Joseph. But remember in verse 14, Joseph says, Remember me for what I've done for you. When you get back to where God is going to put you in front of Pharaoh, don't forget where I'm at. But you know what happened. Verse 23. 
Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And the very next verse says, two years later. What a story. We too, we were talking about being in the pit. And the phrase that we kind of pulled out of that week was the idea. The idea that it could be worse. Things in our life, although we're discouraged, although we're down, or whether we think things are dark, it could be worse. You see, you and I in our own life, we end up comparing up, don't we? In my own life, I look to people who have a, a bigger home, a nicer car, kids that actually behave. A winning team, a bigger bank account, bigger name on the door at the office. That's who we compare to. We think, man, look what I could have. See, we never compare down because then we would realize how blessed we truly are. We never look down because we see how blessed we truly are. Have you ever wondered that Joseph maybe said, I'm not sure that it could get much worse. I mean, other than my own death, I'm away from my family. They think I'm dead. My brothers hate me. I've lost my mom, sold into slavery, accused of something I didn't do, found in the prison, and no one even knows I'm here. I'm not sure that it could get much worse. And maybe that's a question you've brought with you this morning. Maybe you've asked the question, has God forgotten me in my story? With what I'm dealing with, does he see me in my story? And what we have to do is, is realize that our story is likened to that of Joseph. We see the whole story. We applaud the situation. Joseph never saw his whole story until the end of his life. I've asked a couple of guys to come up here and help me with a rope. You guys, come on up. It's a youth group represented right here. That's right. It's, it's a long road. It's a long life. Because there are moments in time, every single day of our life, where we find ourselves on our lifeline. And we're right here on it. We don't see everything. We can look back in history and we can see things that have happened. And we might conceive moments when God was involved in the process. But normally we're right here. This is all we see in the moment. We start out in life. We are, we're born. Thank the Lord we don't remember that. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. My mom's in the audience. <laughs> but cute little baby. Going to go home with Mom and Dad. And then three days later, God has a sense of humor, and he puts stink in the poop, and then you're not cute anymore. <laughs> but life goes on. You, you, meet, you meet the one you think might be the one. You make a decision on a college and a career. And in the moment, you hope you're making the right decision. You're looking right at it, and you look back, and you see moments when God might have been with you. Oh, I ever see him there. I see him there. Okay, maybe he's helping me make this decision right here. And so things come to fruition. You graduate. You start your career. You start your family. And there are moments when sometimes those things don't work out. The career I thought I was going to have is not the one that I actually have. My, my hope for story is not coming to fruition. We see right here in the moment and we become discouraged and frustrated. 
Or maybe the one you thought you'd live the rest of your life with, it just, just didn't work it out. And in the moment of divorce and discouragement, hateful words exchanged, you see right here in the moment, and you're discouraged, and you're lost. There's no silver lining. Or the, the moment where you go to the doctor and you get the terrible news that you, you've got cancer and we've got to work on that. And in the moment you see this right here, this moment in time, you can look back and see moments where God was with you. But know that you and I, as we look at our timeline, we see right here in front of us what we have to remember like Joseph is who was with him. Because God is back here and he sees your whole timeline. And he sees how he's working in every single moment, even in moments of discouragement, even when moments when it didn't work out like you thought, even when your hope for a story isn't coming to fruition. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your help. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Buying books and sending them to school. <laughs> there are moments when we become incredibly discouraged, when things just don't go our way. But you and I have to remember that God is with us. Amen. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to drop you off and come back later. No, He's always walking with us, even in moments when life doesn't go the way we hoped it would go. Even in moments when things just don't seem to have worked out. And I have to believe that the writer knew we were going to think like that. The writer knew that we would read the story of Joseph and think, has God forgotten about Joseph? Which reminds me why he put four different times last chapter Chapter 39, four different times the writer says, but the Lord was with Joseph. He's reminding us that the Lord, even in dismal moments, is not going anywhere. He will not forsake us. And so moments that you feel alone, moments you feel abandoned, moments when you feel like nothing is working out in your favor, moments when you feel discouraged, understand and know that God is with you. He is not going anywhere. He's not only with us. My New Testament tells me that he's in us. We, we've got more than Joseph even had. God is with us, but he's also in us. When you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, when you put your Lord on in baptism, when you make that public confession, when you surrender all, his spirit lives within us. And now we have God not only with us, but in us. And so we have to give our discouraging moments to God and trust that he's going to be there in the middle of those moments. I remember when our oldest son, Tanner, at 18, left to go to college. Now, Tanner is a terrific kid. He's a creative. When I say that, that means there's no schedule. There's, for an A-type personality, that's not a good thing. That's me. We have to work through that. And so there are moments when he's leaving the house, packed up, and headed to college. And I'm wondering, is he going to make it? Things going to work out? Mom and I, it's our first experience in a child leaving home. We're tearful as well. <coughs> Kenny Chesney's song at the time, I was ruminating over There Goes My Life. Maybe you know that song. And the tears began to flow. I showed the video to Robin. Her tears flowed. She goes, why'd you show me that? <laughs> But in the moment, what we have to come back to in that moment is realizing that God is going to be with Tanner and he's going to be with us. 
Moments when things don't go exactly how you thought they might go, realize that God is with you. And your enemy, Satan, he's standing there whispering in your ear, God doesn't know you. God isn't listening to you. God doesn't see you. God doesn't love you. But remember what we talked about last week, that in Satan, he is not a truth teller. He's the father of all lies, John chapter 8. Only God speaks truth. So don't listen to what Satan tells you. God is speaking truth to you. And he says, I will never leave you. God sees you and he loves you. In moments when when we are selfish and we ignore God in the picture, He's still there. In moments when we feel brave and confident, He's still there. In moments when we find ourselves broken or whole either way, God is still there. But we look at the world around us and we begin to ask questions and discouragement. God, do you see the story? Because we turn on the news and we look at social media and we begin to see rampant that Satan has control of this world. There is war and famine and genocide and racism and natural disasters. And we wonder, God, do you see us in our story? We have a life at times and it's a lot like hurricane season. Several months ago, Hurricane Harvey hit the south part of Texas, Houston, and the damage it did. And afterwards, we began to clean up that process. But only a few days later, Hurricane Irma hits Florida, Puerto Rico, and the damage we see happen there. And sometimes we feel that's how life is. One hurricane hits and we begin the process and yet another one comes to visit We're dealing with one child in our life and we get them moving in the right direction and all of a sudden the next one needs attention as well. We get out of one thing and another thing shows up. We think financially we're about to get a leg up and there's another bill that shows up in the mail. We figure out one part of our marriage and another part begins to unravel. Things seem to be coming together for us at work and yet somebody else gets the the promotion, and we get discouraged along the way, which is exactly what Satan wants in your life. His desire is to tear all of your relationships apart, whether it's God or those around you. USA Today in 2015 came back to New Orleans to interview people that stayed through the storm and still live there. You might remember the storm, 2005. It did about $125 billion worth of damage in the city proper. There were about 700 people who lost their life in city proper. And they began to interview people who were still there. One of these people were Charles Duplessis, 64 years old. And those that were doing the interview process, they asked him the question, how how do you get through this? How do you move forward in the process? And his answer was this. Charles said, this is what sustains me. When things get really bad, you put it in his hands. When things get really tough, you put it in his hands. When you feel discouraged, you do all that you can do and you leave the rest to God. And we look at our story and we're called to do the same exact thing. You do what you can do and you give the rest to God. You let him work it out. That's what Joseph does in his story. He's had a tough life. 
He's been dealt a, a bad hand of cards. But Joseph doesn't give up on his relationship with God and he keeps acting like God wants him to do even in the difficult moment. He trusts God. And God wants us to do that too, to trust in Him. Know this on your journey, that God is interacting with you in your life. He's more concerned about what's changing on the inside rather than what's happening on the outside. He wants us to be transformed to look like His Son. To fully trust and surrender in Him. To give everything to Him. And that's what Joseph is doing in his story. He's sticking to God's plan. He was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. And we discover that he's 30 when he gets out of prison. 13 years Joseph waited for God's plan to unfold. But he never, he never changed his mind. I'm not saying he wasn't discouraged, but he never let God leave his side. 13 years is a long time to wait. For God's plan to unwind. But it was. And sometimes in our discouragement, we begin to ask questions like, well, well, can I continue? Is it possible for me to continue under the current circumstances? And, and I can hear Joseph in his story saying, you know, it's all going to work out. This is not what I had asked for. This is not what I had planned on. But it's all going to work out. There may have been days in your own life and his life when he didn't feel like that. But he kept moving forward in the story of God. And maybe right now in your own life, you're saying, I don't really like what's going on in my life. I don't like what's up right now, but I believe in a God who has a plan for me. And I'm going to lean into that story, whatever he has for me. See, we're reminded what Paul tells the church in Rome and he tells us today as well that we know that we we serve a God that causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose you and I know that we serve a God that even in our distress even in our anxiety even in the the lemons of life he's going to take those moments and turn it into stories for his glory Because those around us will look at our story when we march through it and say, you couldn't have done that on your own. And we say, that's exactly right. It was all on God. And I'm a better person because of how God interacts in my own life. And we may get to that point, as I have in my own life before, where you ask the question, when, to the statement. When are we going to have to stop going to treatment? When is my divorce going to go away the pain of that moment? When are we going to start stop arguing as a couple? When is the hard work at my office going to pay off? When can I start putting money in savings rather than paying bills? When is my child going to come home? When, when, when? And that's when at times discouragement sets in because Satan leans in when you ask that question. He says, not And that's when you and I turned to Satan and said, you are a liar, the father of all lies. My God is with me and we're going to march through this storm together. You're not taking that away. You're not moving me out. You see, the waiting is the hardest part of hope. Waiting is the hardest part of hope that we have in our life. Because I know that, that you and I don't don't operate like this. I do know that we mostly all go to Walmart. 
you, you get in there for maybe 90 minutes, you're doing the grocery shopping for the next week or two. You got the, the cart all piled up. You, you've navigated all the foot traffic and all the, the, the folks in there who are working trying to fill the shelf. And you're just, you've just about had it. It's time to go home. You, you've been there, you know. And you get to the front checkout, you got the mounded up cart of, of food, and you do not say, which one is the longest line? Because that's where I'm going. We don't say, we don't seek out the longest line. We think, you know, I need the longest line so that I can have time to reflect and think about it. God's working on my patience, so I'm going to find the longest line so God can work on me. We don't say that. We don't look for the longest line. You're not driving down the road thinking you need some time to reflect, so you're praying that every traffic light turns red. Because I need some time to reflect. You see, waiting is the hardest part of hope. And God has an incredible story for your life. Waiting is part of the process that God is in. He's building something inside of us. Something that this world desperately needs to see. What God is doing to you on the journey is just as important as the destination. We need to lean into that story more each and every day. So when you find yourself in God's waiting room, know that he is there waiting with you. You don't have to go it alone. There are difficult moments in our own lives that that, that we really would rather not have any part of, yet we find ourselves there. We have to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus, how do we reconcile that? How do we move through that? How do we overcome that? There's a story from 1905, a song that came out of this story. When a pastor and his wife went to New York to work in a community and with the church there, the Martins. So the Martins showed up and they began interacting in the town and going house to house, interacting with the church. And they noticed there was one couple that wasn't showing up much at church. And so they went to their home, knocked on the door. It was the home of the Doolittles, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. Mr. Doolittle came to the door in a wheelchair. He's confined to the wheelchair. He opens the door and says, welcome, man. What so glad that you guys are here. Come on in. And they begin to talk and interchange, and there's smiles, and he's gregarious and excited. Man, I'm so glad that you're here to tell the story of Jesus, to help the church out. We're so glad you came out to see us today. Where is there a Mrs. Doolittle? Oh, yes, come on back. So they went back to the bedroom, and there's Miss Doolittle. She's laying in the bed. She's bedfast, been there 20 years. 20 years. And the Martins walk over to the bed, and Miss Doolittle smiling ear to ear. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. And what a joy it is to serve a risen Savior. We're we're excited about what the church is doing in our community. We're glad to be a part of that church. Glory be to God. And they interacted off and on over the next several days until finally one day, Miss Martin asked Miss Doolittle, how do you stay so positive? How are you not discouraged, bedridden for 20 days? Your husband is confined to a wheelchair. He still goes to work, but he takes himself to work down the road. How do you stay above all of this? And she smiled really big and she said, well, have you ever read Matthew chapter 6? Because in Matthew chapter 6, it says that God, Jesus says that God knows the birds of the air. And how much more important am I than the birds? Amen. 
God knows me. And the Martins begin to wrestle with that story and, and thinking about a song and how that would all come together. And so this song in 1905 came out. You know the song. You've heard it before. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? Because when Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow and I know He watches me. You and I have a God who loves us dearly, who wants to be a part of our life. We can overcome because of the great overcomer. And whatever you're dealing with in your life, don't give up, don't give in, don't listen to Satan. Know this, that your God loves you more than anything in the world. He sent His Son for you, specifically. We serve an incredible God, do we not, church? And even in the moments of discouragement and darkness, He is there with us. And He walks us through the flame. Because His eye, his on me. His son, you, his sons, his daughters. And he loves you. What an incredible God we serve. And as we continue to unpack the story of Joseph, we're reminded that in this moment, that you and I are dealing with things in our life that we just rather not. But know this, you can overcome. Because God is with you in the moment. He's not going to leave you. He will never leave you. He'll never walk away from you. He wants the very best for you. So this next song, as we begin singing, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered on the wall of this room. And my guess would be that there are some of us in this room who, who are dealing with some stuff right now. Who desperately need to be reminded that God is with you. And so as we sing this song, I want you to find one of our shepherd couples and let them lay hands on you. Let them pray for you, pray over you. That whatever that anxious moment is, whatever that thing is going on in your life, that you would be reminded that God Almighty is with you in the moment. He's not going anywhere. Because that is truth. And so as we sing this next song, I want you to be encouraged to sing out to Him, to give Him praise for everything. And maybe today you're thinking, you know, God does not live in me. His Spirit does not live in me because I've not fully given my life to Him. Maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today is the day you say, I'm going to be baptized into Christ Jesus, rise out of that water, a brand new creation with the Holy Spirit living within me, and now I can take on the world. Maybe today's that day for you. Wherever you find yourself, know this. God loves you, and let's stand together and give glory to Him.